As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we're moving on from Jacob to talk about Solomon. And Solomon's a really interesting cat. Before we get to Solomon, I have a brief story to tell you about meeting my wife. So I ran a personal training studio. This is relevant, by the way. I ran a personal training studio for a company called Lifetime Fitness in Dallas, Texas. And I was looking for a dietitian. So I was taking resumes and stuff. And I was married in my practice marriage at the time. And so I wasn't really looking for love. I was looking for a dietitian. And so anyway, I, I, I do the you know phone interviews and stuff to kind of screen my candidates. And I call my wife, Kristen, and my now wife, Kristen. I call Kristen and I'm like, hey, this is Alex Van Houten at Lifetime Fitness. I'm calling to speak with Kristen about her resume. Here is the she. And and she responds, yeah, it's me with this super hardcore Arkansas accent. Okay, now I'm a city boy in this particular setting. And I'm thinking like, you know, she's a dietitian. I read her resume. She's got a master's degree. And I'm like, this this woman's either like, super backwoods or like super adorable and it turns out she was super adorable and that was great and you know my wife is wise and she's told me since moving to Arkansas she goes stop telling that story everybody has the accent that you're picking on here like <laughs> so that's uh that it's a true story but um but no offense to anybody who has the the deep southern accent now on the the subject of wisdom though that's we're talking about Solomon tonight and in each of the men that we've gone through in the bible the, I've I've tried to center on a virtue for us to explore through their story. And Solomon is most often coupled with wisdom, right? He's the he's the wisest man who ever lived. And I I do air quotes because you know that's that's just the tradition around Solomon. And in fact, the wisdom tradition in Hebrew culture came from King Solomon's reign. So we're going to read about him in a second. You might appreciate that uh, Solomon's ma- name means peace. Like as a word, Solomon means peace. It's particularly interesting because his father was King David, right? So there was in in the the story, we've got judges, we've got first and second Samuel, and we've got first and second kings. In the time of judges, there were no kings, but the Israelites wanted a king. 
So we move into First and Second Samuel, which is the story of how God appoints Saul to be king. Saul falls away from God. It doesn't work out very well. And then David, King David, is king. You guys might know David from David and Goliath. David was also the writer of Psalms, right? David had a lot of battles, a lot of adventures. He was a man after God's own heart. In fact, when we trace back Jesus's lineage, he's from the line of David. It's promised that the Messiah will come from the line of David. So David's a really important character. Now, Solomon is an interesting cat because Solomon is the last king, the third king, but the last king to take over the kingdom of Israel while it's united. So after King Solomon's reign, Israel actually breaks up into two kingdoms, the kingdom of Judah and then the rest of Israel, right? So King Solomon's reign was the, the time before that happened. But Solomon is David's son, and he's, he's actually the son of David and Bathsheba. You guys remember Bathsheba's story? That was like a real no-go, right? But King Solomon came from that line. So David's wives, of the wives, Bathsheba begot two sons, and one of them was Solomon. And so this was, this was Solomon, and he's, his name means peace because during his time, peace reigned in Israel. The kingdom of Israel got really rich, lots of trade deals as we'll talk about in a bit. Now, Solomon's also most paired with the, the virtue of wisdom because of this story. So if you'll turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 15, we'll talk about the origin of, of this pairing. Wisdom in, in the Greek is Sophia. There's a, there's a different word in Hebrew that escapes me at the moment, but basically it's prudence, self-control bringing God's spirit into the practical matters of life. That's what wisdom is, bringing God's spirit into the practical matters of life. I've heard it said that our generation has all the knowledge it can handle, but no wisdom, which is, we can Google anything. But when it comes to applying those things intelligently, that's a different story. So Solomon's story starts, First Kings, Chapter 3, or at least his reign starts, First Kings chapter 3. We'll start in verse 3. It reads, Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statutes of his father David, only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I should give to you. And Solomon said, You have shown great steadfast love to, my, to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and given him a son to sit on this throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or how to come in. Your servant is in the midst of people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous that they cannot be numbered or counted. So, verse 9, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern these people, to be able to discern between good and evil, for who can govern this great people? 
verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for long life or riches for yourself or the end of the life of your enemies, but have asked yourself understanding to discern what is right, I will do according to your word. Indeed, I will give you wisdom and a discerning mind like no one has seen before you and no one who will arise after you. I will give also to you what you have not asked, both riches and honor all your life, and no other king will compare to you. Verse 14. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. It's quite the story, huh? We'll get into more of a story in the reading, but tonight I want to talk about the repercussions of Solomon's life, because this is the start of his reign. It's really powerful, right? But by the end of Solomon's story, he has overtaxed the nation of Israel. He has made sacrifices to idols, not the God of Israel, and the kingdom actually gets split in two. You know, that's that's kind of his legacy. And despite the wisdom, despite the wisdom that God gave him, things fall apart. And so the question I haven't heard many preachers ask, and so I'm going to ask it tonight kind of rhetorically, but something we'll explore this week, is how can the wisest man in history be so foolish? We're going to get there. So let's talk about let's talk about this. Let's talk about King Solomon's riches. Did you guys know that in a lot of ways you're actually richer than Solomon? Uh, Solomon didn't have running water. Like you get to flush the toilet when you're done, right? Solomon didn't have that. Food from every corner of the earth. You can buy avocados at Walmart right now. Solomon probably never had an avocado in his life. But we have that today. Uh, human knowledge at our fingertips. Solomon was a smart guy. He liked to take notes on plant and animal life. I can look up anything I want right now. We're, we're pretty rich. How about traveling via car or airplane? I take for granted that I can drive and see my in-laws in Conway in about you know 15 to 20 minutes. You ever walk to that? Greenbrier to Conway? That's a long day. It's almost silly to say it out loud, but wrap your heads around this. This is extremely important. When we look at Solomon's life and some of the things that happened in his life and try to relate to him, a lot of people are like, oh, he's like the, you know, the richest king, blah, blah, blah. Like, guys, you pooped today and flushed it down the toilet, or at least if everything's going right. Like, that's rich by historical standards. That is rich. You likely drove here tonight. That's rich. That's crazy rich, in fact. And and Jesus had something very specific to say about richness that I'd like to point your attention to if you'll turn to Mark with me. Mark chapter 10, verse 25. Mark chapter 10, verse 25. This is after the rich man comes to Jesus and asks, how should I be saved? 
Jesus says, keep the commandments. And he says, hey, you know, I've kept those since a kid. I get those. That's great. And so Jesus challenges him and says, sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. And then you guys know that the man goes away grieving because he has many possessions. So in, in chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus declares, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Something we're going to learn about Solomon's life is that riches can be very distracting. And I think a mistake that many people make when they read Solomon and they understand, you know, what he did wrong in God's eyes, they go, oh, he's a king. He's got riches. His cups have gold on them. <laughs> it's not the same thing. No, it is kind of the same thing. It's very easy, easy in our day and age right now to have so much abundance that our riches are distracting. What's weird is we just don't recognize that we're rich, materially speaking. Even the poorest people, and I, I grew up under the poverty line, so I can say this, even the poorest people are rich by historical standards. And and that's that's something that, as you guys are reading this week, I, I really want you to sink your teeth into. The riches of Solomon, which is which is just of amazing renown in the Bible. The riches of Solomon is is something that we should all be able to relate to. We don't think of ourselves as kings. I mean, I, I had a steak today. That's eating like a king, man, and by historical standards. Now, it was in celebration of my wife, so it was a special occasion. We're not always staking it, you know, but, but still, by historical standards, we're all, we're all rich. What about his knowledge? <laughs> What's the mass of an atom? Does anybody know? I don't know either, but I could find out in about five seconds. How do I change the oil in my car? I do know that. But if I didn't, I could YouTube it. Find out in about five minutes. What's the square root of 312? You can buy a 50 cent calculator at Dollar Tree. Well, it's probably a dollar. They only do dollars there. Anyway, you can buy a $1 calculator at Dollar Tree that can do the square root of 312. By historical standards, there was nothing known to Solomon that we don't know today. I'm not saying that we all have the same wisdom, but I'm saying that as far as knowledge is concerned, what drew the many nations to come see Solomon, the Queen of Sheba brought a whole bunch of gifts, as you guys will read in First Kings, brought a whole bunch of gifts just to, just to be able to ask him some questions. Those are things that we have access to today because of technology, because of the way we've, we've been educated it's pretty powerful. And what's what's interesting about this is as I talk about how the most wise man in the world could act so foolishly, we're, we're not exempt. We're going to see how fidelity works into that in just a second. Uh, yeah, and in fact, I, one, one last point I'd like to make on that front is uh, Solomon didn't actually get to know what Jesus said. Solomon lived in a time before Christ, and, and Jesus himself had a lot to say that I hope is wise in your eyes, it's something that you 
build your life on. Solomon didn't get to have that, right? So we, we have a lot of advantages on Solomon in the, the knowledge department. If you'll turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If anybody wants to know what my favorite passage in Scripture is, these are my favorite passages, Matthew 4 through 6. Just, you know, fun quiz if you're looking for a good gift for me on my birthday. Plaque with these would be great. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 32. I was born on Christmas, so you guys have some time to plan your gifts. Uh, Jesus actually talked about Solomon, but not in the way that a lot of people spoke about Solomon. Chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you will drink, or about your body. What you'll wear is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, but your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil, not, neither do they spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, thrown into the oven, will he not so much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles strive after these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. How did Jesus talk about Solomon? Jesus takes the glory of Solomon and reduces him to less than the flowers of the field. The wisdom, the riches, the peace of his reign. And he says, look at the, look at the lilies of the field. Not even Solomon shines like they do. That blow anybody else's mind? Blew mine. What can we learn from this? How can the wisest man act so foolishly? There's something else you need to know about Solomon. Let's go to uh, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3. I know, I just went from the Old Testament to the New Testament and back. I understand making you flip all the way through. Those of us who are flipping through Bibles here. Those of you who, who are using the post-Solomon apps and stuff. You have an advantage here. All right. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3. We read... Among his wives were 700 princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. I had to read that twice because I'm doing the math, right? And that's three women for every day of the year. Like, that's how the math works out. 
plus or minus. I told you guys how I met my wife, right? I love her with all my heart. I can handle exactly one of her. That's Give me about 999 more, and I'd be like, what? <laughs> what? So, so all jokes aside, though, this, this is kind of important. He wrote, uh, well, he's attributed with, his name is on the Song of Songs, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read this to you just because it's fun. Don't worry, I won't read the racy parts. Can, those are in your reading for the week. <laughs> Uh, but no, the, this is actually really good. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, is a, uh, uh, in the wisdom tradition, is a book written about the sacredness of love and and the power of it to direct the human heart and whatnot. It comes right after Psalms. It's relatively small, hard to find. Uh, but th- I thought this was kind of funny, so I'm sharing it with you. This is directly from the Song of Songs, chapter 4. How beautiful are you, my love? How very beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats moving down the slopes of Gilead, and your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes. So next time you want to impress your lady, that's those are the verses. I'm just kidding. My wife wouldn't be impressed. She'd be like, my hair is like a flock of goats, you say. There's imagery there and metaphor that I don't understand completely, so I'm not going to try to break it down. But uh, but <laughs> what I'm trying to say here is, jokes aside, one of the things that steered Solomon's heart away from God was a plethora of women in his life. I'm not saying women are evil. What I am saying is that as a man, how we direct our senses is directly related to how steadfast and single-minded we can be in the things that matter. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but this was replicated in uh, a recent study on pornography with men. Did you know that men today have seen more women naked than King Solomon? (laughs) Also blowing my mind. Uh, But in, in men ages 25 to 62, 82% of men use pornography on a regular basis, report using pornography. And what really hurts is men who self-identified as Christians in the survey weren't weren't less than the men who weren't. So why do I tie Solomon to fidelity? Well, being the wisest man in the world doesn't matter to God as much as it does being faithful and steadfast in his calling on your life. And the question for, for men is how do we become more faithful? Because fidelity, you know, a lot of times it, for men, they're like, oh, yeah, I don't cheat on my wife. I'm faithful. It's not the same thing. It's it's deeper than that. You know, Solomon had a thousand wives. It's not like he was trying to be faithful to one of them. The faithfulness to God was destroyed by distraction. Because many of his wives worship different gods who you let into your heart, who you let into your eyes, who you let into your ears, who you speak with, influence the way that you approach the things that you care about. And this was this was at the core of what got Solomon. And in our day and age, you know, 
again, maybe I'm preaching to the choir and nobody's struggling with pornography. That's fine. Jesus said, if you even look at a woman with lust, that's adultery. And it's not just women. You, you brother, we're, we're talking about in our circle earlier about how people can make a God of their stomach, right? And man, when we look at Solomon and fidelity and we ask, okay, make me a king. Make me the wisest, richest king in the whole wide world. And then I can do everything God wants me to do. I, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the richest, wisest king in the world got taken down by a lack of fidelity to God. That's what screwed up his reign with Israel. Um, if you guys want to read about it with me, uh, I'll turn there and then I have one more verse for us and I'll let you go. First Kings chapter 11, verse 9. You should be in First Kings still, because I made the trek to Solomon, but you didn't have to. First Kings chapter 11, verse 9. So the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart had turned away from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and commanded him concerning this matter, that he should not follow other gods. And he did not observe what the Lord commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, since this has been your mind, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I've commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. Ouch. As we'll read this week, Solomon wrote Proverbs, or at least collected most of it. Ecclesiastes is written in the tradition of the wisdom of Solomon. Song of Solomon is written in the tradition of the wisdom of Solomon. And Solomon, as stated by God himself, was the richest, wisest king that ever lived. But Jesus, in his criticism of those who worry about what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear, and how not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like the lilies of the field, Jesus had one more thing to say on that subject. And he says it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. You, you could turn there, but you probably know this verse. It's kind of like those John 3, 16 ones. Everybody's heard it. And when, it, when you say it, it, it kind of sits with you. Jesus says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you as well. How can the wisest man be so foolish? He lets things distract him from God. He gets distracted from seeking first God's kingdom. And in our reading this week, you'll see in Ecclesiastes, and in our reading this week, you'll see in Proverbs, how continually... A man's eyes, a man's the work of a man's hands, what a man allows himself to hear, what a man allows himself to say. These things are continually spoken by Solomon himself about how walking in wisdom is a glory to God. And so I pray over you guys, and, and I will in just a second, that even though we are technically richer than Solomon, we could be more knowledgeable than him right now question is, can we commit to being more faithful than him?
can we learn from that example? And so I'm going to pray over you guys tonight, and I hope that this week as we're reading and in our discussion next week, that we get the opportunity to see the things that are distracting us from what it is God has for us, and to see the things that are leading us astray from seeking his kingdom first. If you'll bow with me. Father God, thank you for this night. Thank you for King Solomon. I pray, God, that you bless us as we walk in the abundance that you've given us in this time and age, this place, that you brought us to a time such as this to be men who are faithful, men who can walk in fidelity, men who can walk without distraction. God, help us to be attentive to the things that steer us away from you and make us more like Jesus so that we can say, God, today, I seek your kingdom first. Let me be righteous like you. I don't want to worry about all the stuff that you're going to add to my plate if I'm faithful to walk with you. Help me keep my eyes on you. Thank you for Solomon. Thank you for his writings. I'm sincerely looking forward to diving into them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.